everybody. Welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the board for the NFL Divisional Round through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts, plus some original analysis. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, and to set the tone right off the top, the expanded wildcard weekend was fun, but the Divisional Round, still the best NFL weekend of the year. Last weekend, we saw pretenders in Chicago and Washington get sent packing, and as far as the Titans and Steelers are concerned, Mike Vrabel and Mike Tomlin probably still out there somewhere deciding to punt for no good reason. So at this point, only the cream of the crop remains, and we've got four games this weekend, including the top seeds getting back in action. To kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! I've spent the week listening to the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts, and this episode features insights from 11 bettors across six podcasts, totaling about nine hours worth of listening. I'll distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways, including four bets across the point spread, teaser, and prop markets. Alright, so we're down to the NFL's Elite Eight. Let's get to it and run through the board for the divisional round. First up, Game 1 on Saturday, the Rams at Green Bay. Packers laying 6.5 with some extra vig, let's call it minus 115. Total 45.5 as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. And we have two likes on the Packers, Adam Chernoff from the Simple Handicap, as well as RJ Bell from the Dream Preview. One like on the Rams, that came from Dave Esler on the Dream Preview. One like on the Under, Steve Fezzik on the Dream Preview. One like on the first half, under 22.5, Rob Pizzola from the Matchbook Podcast. And two likes on the Packers as a teaser leg, TA from the Sharp Angles podcast, along with Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. That teaser basically taking the Packers to win outright as it pulls them down to minus half a point. Looking at the Packers side of things against the spread, laying the 6.5, Adam and RJ like that one, and exploring Adam's handicap, he says the buy more valuable than ever this season with only the top seed getting that first round buy. And the Rams have a messy quarterback situation. He thinks Jared Goff looked healthy last weekend in warmups, and John Wolford started for performance reasons, so Adam questions how much Sean McVay trusts Goff. But with Wolford already ruled out for this weekend after a neck injury sustained last Saturday in Seattle, McVay doesn't have any other options. And on the other side of the ball, Adam notes the Rams have a great defense, but it is overrated based on some favorable scheduling spots. He notes the Rams had six games against quarterbacks who are no longer starters, and half of those quarterbacks were making their first NFL start. So the season-long numbers for the Rams' defense from a strength of schedule standpoint are a little misleading since the Rams caught a lot of teams when their quarterback situations in those games were a far cry from those teams' season-long averages. And Adam also notes Aaron Donald's status uncertain. We know he's going to play, but he could be pretty limited with a rib injury that sounds extremely painful. And on the Rams side of things, Dave Esler sounding a little more optimistic that Donald will be inflicting pain on the Packers, liking the Rams plus six and a half, and Esler's handicap begins with a matchup liking Jalen Ramsey to keep Devontae Adams in check, and I think that's possible, but worth noting, lockdown cornerbacks don't always shadow the other team's best receiver. We might want to look back just to last weekend when Ramsey wasn't on DK Metcalf for a good chunk of the snaps in Seattle. Esler also touches on a few anti-Packers narratives, rust versus rest, a possible look-ahead spot to a showdown with Tom Brady or Drew Brees in the NFC Championship game, 
fewer fans making Lambeau Field less intimidating for the Rams, and winds of 10 to 20 miles per hour possibly affecting the Packers more than the Rams. And Esler does caveat these are all maybes rather than definite factors, but I still think he's giving them too much credence, especially those first two points. When it comes to rust versus rest, I think the rest from the bye week is more valuable than ever this season, as Adam touched on. Only one team in each conference gets that bye, and if the Rams had had it, Aaron Donald's status wouldn't be in question, and their quarterbacks and wide receiver Cooper Cup would be a lot healthier heading into this one. As far as the possible look ahead to Rodgers versus Brady or Breeze for a trip to the Super Bowl, that would be must-see TV for the NFC Championship game, but I think the Packers are well aware that this game against the Rams isn't a given. Teams are hard-pressed to look ahead once we get to the playoffs and it's do or die. So overall, I think the Rams may well cover, but if they do, these narratives probably not the reasons why. Moving on to a couple looks at totals in this game, Fezzik liking the full game under 45 and a half. He thinks the total should be 44, so there's a little bit of value there. And Fezzik really likes the Packers' defense matched up against the Rams' offense. He notes both units are about league average if we look at the regular season, but this is looking like a bad spot for Goff. Fezzik notes he'll be playing with a surgically repaired thumb, and then looking at the forecast calling for temperatures in the 20s, Fezzik notes Goff has played four career games in temperatures of 45 degrees or colder, and he's 0-4 against the spread, falling short of covering by a margin of almost a touchdown per game, with the Rams falling short of their team total by almost 10 points per game in those contests. T.A. touches on a similar point in his case for the Packers in a teaser, noting the Rams' Sunday night football game in Chicago in 2018, Goff threw four interceptions and posted the worst quarterback rating of his career. And I think it's important to acknowledge this is a small sample size, but I can see the logic with Goff playing in college at Cal and then playing for the Rams in the NFL. Not much inclement weather in his background, so there's a free roll that there could be something to this trend. Fezzik also notes the Rams' path to victory, ball control on offense, a lot of handoffs to Cam Akers, that keeps the clock moving and shortens the game, fewer possessions likely to yield fewer points. And also taking a look at Rob's play on the first half under 22.5, he likes the notion of isolating the first half because of the Packers' propensity to give up points in garbage time. Rob notes that if we look at the Packers' defense's expected points added per play when the win probability is between 10% and 90%, or in other words, when either team still has a reasonable path to victory, Green Bay is the 7th best defense in the NFL, but it's much closer to average once the outcome has been decided. And Rob also likes fading the odds of Goff getting off to a hot start in the cold weather. And the final bit of action in this game, the Packers in a teaser leg taking them down from minus six and a half to minus half a point, basically banking on them to win outright. T.A. and Fezzik liking that notion. Fezzik's handicap is more anti-Rams than pro-Packers. On defense, he expects Aaron Donald to be ineffective due to his rib injury, and on the other side of the ball, he thinks Jared Goff will be less than 100% due to his thumb injury, as well as Cooper Cup being limited if he can go in this one due to his knee injury. T.A. shared this sentiment as well, and both Fezzik and T.A. like pairing the Packers with the Ravens taking Baltimore up to plus 8.5, and I like where they're going here. I also like that the Dimers bot at the quick pick section of Dimers.com makes Green Bay minus 6.5 its favorite point spread play of the week. That bodes well for the odds of the Packers winning outright and therefore covering this leg of the teaser. 
Next game on the board, the nightcap on Saturday, Baltimore at Buffalo. Bills laying two and a half with some extra vig. The consensus line is minus 120. Total of 49 and a half shaded to the under. And we have two likes on the Bills, Suma and Rob on the Matchbook podcast, both making Buffalo their best bet for the weekend. One like on the Ravens money line at plus 125. That came from Adam. Two likes on the Ravens is a teaser leg. TA, as well as Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, and two likes on the Ravens, team total over 23.5, Andy Molitor and Drew Dinsick on the Deep Dive podcast. Looking at the Bills, minus 2.5 with extra vig, again, Suma and Rob liking the Buffalo side. Suma's handicap leads off with recency bias, noting the Ravens' win last week was more an indictment in his eyes on the Titans' coaching staff than anything else. They were stubbornly run-heavy on early downs, and I'll note that Mike Vrabel punting on 4th and 2 from the Baltimore 40, down by 4 with 10 minutes left in the game, that was one for the books and a massive gift to the Ravens. So Suma notes the Ravens are in for a 180 degree turn when it comes to the quality of their opponents coaching this weekend. So he sees some recency bias favoring the Ravens and also working against the Bills in the sense that they were the victims of some negative variance in high leverage downs last weekend. Buffalo went 2 for 9 on 3rd down and failed 3 times on 3rd down with 3 or fewer yards to go. And I'll add for good measure, the Colts converted more than half of their 3rd and 4th down attempts going 11 for 21 in those big moments. So Suma makes the point that if there was normal distribution on high leverage downs, that game wouldn't have been close last weekend. Suma also thinks perception is selling the Bills a little bit short. If not for that Hail Mary in Week 10 in Arizona, the Bills would come into this one riding an 11 game win streak and they'd be an even bigger favorite. And looking at the matchup, Suma likes the Bills' elite passing attack, noting Josh Allen's playing at an MVP level, the Bills have a solid offensive line, and three good wide receivers. Rob touched on this point as well. Suma really likes that the Bills have a great offensive coordinator in his eyes, Brian Dable, calling the highest rate of early down passes in the NFL in the regular season. I will note one possible fly in the ointment. The forecast calls for temperatures in the mid to low 30s with a chance of snow and sustained winds in the low to mid teens with gusts going higher than that. So if we do end up seeing a lot of snow, that could affect the players' footing and thus Lamar Jackson's speed and the Ravens pulling guards in their power rush game. But a lot of snow and high winds could be even more disruptive when it comes to the Bills' passing game. On the other side of the ball, Sumo wraps up his handicap, noting the Bills' defense a step up in class for the Ravens coming off a porous Titans defense last weekend. And Rob also likes the Bills minus the points. He notes the Ravens won in Buffalo last year, but we can throw that out. Josh Allen has made some major strides this year. He also didn't have Stephon Diggs at his disposal in that matchup. And Rob also notes the Bills' rush defense much better than people think in his eyes. It showed significant improvement over the second half of the season, especially with linebacker Matt Milano on the field. Rob likes that the Bills' defensive scheme invites the run and sees that as a trap for a run-heavy team like the Ravens. But there was an interesting counterpoint from Drew on the Matchbook podcast when Drew noted the Ravens are one of few teams in the league with a positive expected points added per play number when rushing, so inviting the run, usually shrewd for the Bills defense, but not necessarily a good fit for Buffalo in this specific matchup. On the Ravens side of things, looking at the money line, you can find that in the range of plus 125. Adam likes it. He thinks this game should be lined at Pickham or with the Ravens as a short favorite, so he expressed interest on the Ravens at plus money on the simple handicap. He thinks the best way to attack the Bills defense is on the ground and through the passing game using tight ends. Those are both strengths for the Ravens, and TA touched on the point of that rush game, and his case for the Ravens is a teaser leg. Meanwhile, Adam also adding, he thinks the perception here is selling the Ravens short, so he's clearly seeing this matchup differently than Suma. Adam says the Bills were fortunate to get the win last week, 
and the Ravens, coming off a misleading final in Tennessee, they should have won by more than a touchdown, considering they outgained the Titans by more than 200 yards and dominated yards per play. And a couple more looks at this game, aside from either team against the point spread, the Ravens in a teaser up to plus 8.5, TA and Fezzik on board with that notion, taking Baltimore up through those key numbers of 3-7 and seven and pairing the Ravens with the Packers. TA notes he expects this to be a coin flip game, and if weather's a factor, that should favor the Ravens. And he also adds, this looks like a really sharp line in his eyes at minus 2.5 for Buffalo, so sharp lines imply less variance, and less variance increases the relative value of each point we get in taking the Ravens up through a touchdown in a teaser. And one more angle on this game, the deep dive secret pod play, Ravens team total over 23 and a half. Andy and Drew didn't seem too concerned with the forecast, and they like this play as a way to isolate the matchup edges for the Ravens offense going against the Bills defense. Moving on to Sunday, first game, Cleveland at Kansas City, Chiefs minus 10 with reduced VIG of minus 105, total 57 shaded to the over, five likes on the Browns, Adam, Andy, Drew making them his best bet on the Matchbook podcast, and Rob and RJ also on board with Cleveland plus 10. Three angles on the total here, one like on the full game over, that came from TA. He got it at 56, but still seemed to like the over, up to 57.5. One like on the first half, under 28.5, Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, you'd have to lay a little extra vig to get that number. And one like on the Chiefs team total, over 34, the Hitman on the Dream Preview. Looking at the Browns plus 10, again, those likes came from Adam, Andy, Drew, Rob, and RJ. Adams' handicap leads off with the scheme, the Browns' offense, a good matchup against the Chiefs' defense, Cleveland having a strong run game, and also using a lot of play action that can negate pressure against the Chiefs' defense that likes to blitz a lot. And on the other side of the ball, Adam noted the Cleveland secondary should be getting healthier after some COVID issues last week, and since Adam recorded that, we've gotten confirmation top cornerback for the Browns, Denzel Ward, going to be back in action, along with cornerback Kevin Johnson, so the Browns will have their secondary at full strength. That could be a big factor against the Chiefs offense. So with these matchups in mind, Adam thinks this number should be closer to 7. RJ shared that sentiment as well. A few more handicaps favoring the Browns. Andy said this line prices the Chiefs at their peak and sells Cleveland short. Drew adds to that, this is almost the same line as the Falcons-Chiefs line in Week 16, and the Browns significantly better than the Falcons. Drew noted that in that game, the Falcons held the Chiefs to 17 points and only lost by three, and they were in the hunt to win outright. And Drew also likes fading the narrative that the Chiefs can simply flip the switch after seven straight wins without covering. Rob and RJ touched on this point as well. Drew also adds, the Chiefs' offensive line has regressed in his opinion, and that offense can be held in check as long as the defense for Cleveland doesn't blitz too much and limits the big play, forcing the Chiefs to be methodical. Drew notes the Chiefs are explosive, but not necessarily efficient. And on the other side of the ball, Drew says the Chiefs' defense stinks, and the Browns' offense currently firing on all cylinders. He loves that head coach and play caller Kevin Stefanski is back for this game after missing due to COVID last week and expects some wrinkles in the Browns' game plan. And similar to Adam's point, Drew sees a very favorable matchup with the Browns' two-headed monster at running back going into the Chiefs' porous rush defense. Rob adds to that, the Browns getting offensive lineman Joel Batonio back this week after he also missed last week due to COVID, and that only further fortifies things up front for the Browns going against a Chiefs defense that ranks near the bottom of the league and advanced rushing metrics such as EPA per play and DVOA.
Rob also draws a parallel between this line and the line in week 9 when the Chiefs were laying 10 points at home to the Panthers, and in this situation the Chiefs are coming off a bye, that's a big edge in the playoffs, but Rob notes the Browns are a much better team than the Panthers and that implies value on Cleveland catching this many points. A few more bets on this game, getting into different takes on the total. Looking at the full game over 57, TA likes that angle, seeing the Browns offense is having an advantageous matchup on the ground, and he also likes them to pass effectively from the start. TA notes that since the Browns' streak of bad weather games, they have the fifth highest passing rate in the first quarter and the third best success rate, and he likes that Kevin Stefanski is an optimal decision maker on fourth down, so we shouldn't see any of those cowardly punting decisions like we saw from Mike Vrabel and Mike Tomlin last weekend. And on the other side of the ball, T.A. struggles to see the Browns getting any stops against the Chiefs. And Matthew Holt likes the first half to go under 28.5. He expects a lack of turnovers with Baker Mayfield protecting the ball well and the Browns' defense struggling to force turnovers. And unlike T.A., who gave good analysis on why the Browns might be more pass-heavy than people are expecting, Matthew Holt does expect Cleveland to stick to its matchup advantage in the ground game and going run-heavy early on shortens the game. And a quick note, Matthew Holt was initially looking at the full game to go under, but he decided to isolate the first half because the Browns unlikely to be as run-heavy if they're playing from behind in the second half. One more look at a take on a total here, Chiefs team total over 34, that one coming to us from the Hitman. He likes the angle of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes coming off a bye, thinks the Chiefs should be fresh with a really strong game plan, and from a matchup standpoint, if we exclude the Browns' three bad weather games, plus drives ending in turnovers since those carry a large degree of randomness, the Browns' defense, second worst in the NFL in points allowed per drive, and T.A. also touched on this point in his case for the full game to go over. Alright, moving on to the divisional round finale, Tampa Bay at New Orleans, Saints laying 3 with some extra vig, minus 115, total of 52, 3 likes on the Saints, Fezzik, Matthew Holt, and RJ making it a dream preview consensus, with the Saints being Fezzik and Matthew Holt's best bet on the dream preview, also 2 likes on the Bucks. Adam and TA, and both of those likes came at plus three and a half. It is a different equation looking at the plus three right now, but the reduced VIG on Tampa Bay does neutralize that a little bit. Just be mindful of the price if looking to back Tampa Bay. TA laid minus 130 for plus three and a half, and he said he's okay with the plus three for standard VIG or especially reduced VIG, and you can get that plus three on Tampa Bay right now for as low as minus 105. And quick note that three is the king of key numbers, so getting the hook, taking Tampa Bay up to plus three and a half, could well be the difference between winning or pushing on this bet. But with the longer PAT and record scoring in the NFL, fewer games are landing on three these days, so buying on or off of the three worth a little bit less than 20 cents. I know plus three and a half can feel a lot better than having plus three for the Bucks, and obviously that extra half point increases the odds of winning this bet, but it's important to consider the price. For value in the long run, it's better off taking the plus three at minus 105 than paying the premium of minus 130 to get up to plus three and a half. And with a fair amount of two-sided action on this game, the handicap largely boils down to the evaluation of the two regular season games between Tampa Bay and New Orleans when the Saints went 2-0 straight up and against the spread. If you attach significant weight to those games because of the specific matchups involved, that's probably going to push you over to the Saints side of things. Or, if you disregard those two results because it's a small sample size, that'll probably have you looking the way of Tampa Bay. 
Looking at the Saints side of things with Fezzik, Matthew Holt, and RJ liking New Orleans minus the points, Fezzik let off his handicap, noting that it's okay to discard the Week 1 game between these two teams, but that 38-3 win by the Saints in the Week 9 rematch has a lot of signal in his eyes. Fezzik notes lopsided scores are often driven by impactful but non-predictive plays such as turnovers or kick returns, but if we look at that Week 9 rematch, Tampa Bay's first four drives, three and out, the Saints' first four drives, three touchdowns, one fumble lost in the red zone, so if anything, variants actually favored the Bucks early in that game with the Saints' lost fumble. There was nothing fluky about the blowout in Fezzik's eyes. He sees it as representative of the Saints' matchup advantages. Matthew Holt dove a little deeper into the matchup, looking at Tampa Bay's offense being the third most pass-heavy in the NFL, and the Saints' defense number two in opposing pass completion percentage and number six in sack percentage. So it could be a tough day for Tom Brady, and Tampa Bay's weak rush offense, not a viable plan B. Fezzik agreed with that point. Matthew Holt also notes on the other side of the ball, the Bucks' defense highly regarded but overrated in his opinion, and he notes Michael Thomas back for the Saints, playing at full strength. That seems to be an undervalued factor by the betting market. Looking at the Bucks side of things with Adam and TA taking the points, Adam notes, yes, the Saints went 2-0 against the Bucks during the regular season, but he's not giving too much weight to that. Neither is TA. Adam points out, the week one game, first game for Tom Brady in a new system, and TA adds the Bucks were the victims of negative variants. They had a pick six, muffed a kickoff, also had a field goal blocked. Looking at the stats for that game, the teams were pretty much even. And Adam also notes in the rematch, while the Saints dominated in Tampa Bay, he's okay to throw it out since that was Tampa Bay's worst performance of the season, more of an outlier in Adam's eyes. And TA also notes that offensive lineman Ali Marpet's injury was a huge factor in that game. He's the third best guard in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. He missed that rematch in Tampa Bay, and his replacement allowed seven pressures. It's almost unheard of for one offensive lineman to allow seven pressures in a game, and especially with Brady being vulnerable to pressure up the middle, that was a big factor. Marpet's going to be back to fortify that this weekend. And to that point, proceeding with Adam's handicap, he noted the Bucks' biggest issue against the Saints has been the offensive line against the Saints defensive line and the Bucks offensive line has made major progress in Adams eyes he points out they protected Brady against a strong Washington defensive front last weekend Adam also notes one issue during the season for Tampa Bay was Brady's timing with his wide receivers and since the Bucks late by in week 13 that timing has been significantly better one factor TA adds to this handicap for the Bucks he likes their matchup defensively to contain Alvin Kamara rushing and receiving since they have a stout defense front and a lot of speed at linebacker. All right, that'll do it for the breakdown of the divisional round betting board. We'll get to some bets in a moment, but first it's time for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. And this weekend we're drinking Catalyst, a West Coast IPA fresh from our friends at People's Republic of South Central, also known as PRSC, located in Los Angeles. Catalyst weighs in at 7% ABV, and the appearance begins with the can art, very patriotic with a lot of red, white, and blue, fitting for a release on MLK Weekend. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops, so you can check it out. And when it comes to the aroma and flavor, Catalyst is citrusy, floral, and dank. And dank is a tasting note for beer, has some parallels to cannabis. It's a pretty common tasting note for IPAs, and that's because cannabis is genetically related to hops. On the mouthfeel, Catalyst is dry, crisp, and clean. 
Overall, it's aggressively flavorful, yet still well-balanced and very drinkable. And if you want to learn more about Catalyst and the people who made it, I interviewed the co-founders of PRSC, Craig and Sam, in an episode I dropped Tuesday, so you can check the Props and Hops podcast feed. And you can also watch my interview with Craig and Sam and read some key takeaways I summarized on dimers.com. I'll drop a link to that in the show notes for easy reference. And I'd recommend checking it out. PRSC is black-owned, and they're changing the game not only with good beer, but the story behind their beer and their mission to make an impact on their community. For now, if we're drinking Catalyst, we might as well try to make that a catalyst for building a strong divisional round portfolio. Let's dig into what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Not as much gambling going on in here as last week, and that should probably be the case with fewer games on the board, but nevertheless, a few edges worth getting in the portfolio. Starting with one side, the Browns plus 10 at the Chiefs, I make that good up to minus 115. The Browns offense matches up pretty well against the Chiefs defense with its strong run game and a lot of play action using simple reads to make things work in the passing game. And on the other side of the ball, the Browns get their secondary back to full strength. That could be a big factor against the Chiefs. The Browns aren't going to stop Kansas City, but having that secondary at full strength can at least help them limit some big plays from the Chiefs, forcing them to be less explosive and more efficient. And I want to acknowledge, I know the Chiefs are the clear better team and a worthy Super Bowl favorite, but looking at this through the lens of numbers not teams, have to feel compelled to take double digits here with the Browns. Also playing one teaser this week, the Packers down to minus half a point hosting the Rams, paired with the Ravens up to plus eight and a half at Buffalo. And in the first leg with Green Bay, it's a bit of a numbers grab, as well as a free roll on injury uncertainty around the Rams with Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, and Cooper Cup all possibly limited on Saturday. On the Ravens side of things, they're coming off a misleading final score last weekend, and they should have won that game by more than a touchdown in Tennessee. They outgained the Titans by two yards per play. Justin Tucker missed a field goal. When else has that ever happened? And the Ravens were also on the short end of a phantom offensive pass interference call on a fourth down conversion deep in Titans territory on what would have been the game icing drive. I know part of the handicap for Baltimore Buffalo is the Ravens going on the road for the third straight week against the Bills playing at home for the third straight week, but the Ravens defense last weekend was on the field for less than 50 snaps. Meanwhile, the Bills defense was on the field for more than 75 snaps against the Colts. So this could actually be a case of the Ravens getting their second straight playoff game as the fresher team despite being the road team. From a value standpoint, this line doesn't cross down through 7 when we look at the Packers leg, and that does diminish the relative significance of the points we're paying for in this teaser, so I make this play good for 8 tenths of a unit instead of a full unit. And there are some parallels here between the Packers handicap and the Bills handicap last week when we took them down from 6.5 to minus half a point. You can listen to that Bills breakdown near the end of last week's episode for a deep dive on the math that explains the value in this equation. Bottom line here, a Packers win by any margin covers their teaser leg, and if we factor out the VIG, the Packers' true money line against the Rams is about minus 280. That implies a 74% chance of a Packers win, and that's just what we need to show value for any leg in a two-team six-point teaser laying the standard minus 120. And a subtle edge in this one, you can't tie in the playoffs, so this effectively makes it a seven-point teaser on the Packers, taking them down from minus six and a half to plus half a point, and only paying for six of those points along the way. So overall here, the Ravens are a strong teaser candidate, and the Packers present enough value to get them in play as the other leg for eight-tenths of a unit. Also playing a couple props this weekend. First one, 
Ravens wide receiver Marquise Brown under 60 and a half receiving yards. I think recency bias is inflating this line. Brown had 109 yards on seven receptions last week, and the big stage of a playoff game is also giving that performance some extra weight, but that came against a putrid Titans pass defense, the Bills defense, a big step up in class. Also, 109 yards was the season high for Brown. His regular season average was 48 yards, so even if he beats that by 12 yards, this prop still cashes, and from a matchup standpoint, the Ravens offense shouldn't need to rely too heavily on Brown. The Bills' defense, susceptible against the run and passes to tight ends, those are both strengths for the Ravens. And we're also getting a free roll on the weather. If that disrupts the passing game, it's a huge plus for this prop. And looking at the regular season, Brown played in all 16 games, and he came in under 60.5 receiving yards 11 times, and I'm not seeing any indication that this matchup is going to be an exception. Brown goes by the nickname of Hollywood, and it's almost going to take a Hollywood story for him to be a major factor for the Ravens' offense on Saturday night in Buffalo. The other prop this weekend, regular listeners could see it coming from a mile away, Browns Chiefs, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. This game has a sky-high total of 57, shaded to the over, and some minds I respect quite a bit still think the total is not high enough. Quick primer on the math, more points, good for the odds of more touchdowns, and more touchdowns, good for the odds of some one-yard touchdowns. The wager amount for this prop, heavily dependent on the number you can find, I make it good up to minus 175, and typically with a total this high, we can shop around to find a number that warrants betting 1.2 units on this prop. But the Chiefs offense, as explosive as it is, not very efficient, so I capped this prop for Chiefs games at one unit pretty much regardless of the number because the Chiefs score a lot of long touchdowns, but they aren't great near the goal line. That said, I still like getting in play on this prop because at most books, it's underpriced relative to totals this high. Plus, the Browns a great fit from a matchup standpoint with a strong offensive line, a two-headed monster at running back in the form of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, plus Kevin Stefanski back on the sidelines, and his creative play calling could be a big factor against an accommodating Chiefs defense. So a rapid fire recap for the divisional round portfolio. One side, the Browns plus 10 at the Chiefs. One teaser, the Packers minus half a point hosting the Rams, paired with the Ravens plus eight and a half points at the Bills. And two props, Marquise Brown under 60 and a half receiving yards, plus Browns Chiefs shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. All right, and last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week's words of wisdom, the process is the result. This comes from Annie Duke. She's the author of Thinking in Bets, and I know this fits for a Malinsky Minute because Dave owned the book, and I'm fortunate to have his personal copy of Thinking in Bets. We also touched on the book in a Malinsky Minute earlier this season when covering the notion that everything is a bet, and Dave was more in touch with these concepts than anyone else I've ever met. As far as the notion of the process being the result goes and applying it to betting, when we're working with small sample sizes, I think we all know good process can lead to bad results and vice versa, and the NFL playoffs are the ultimate small sample size, especially as we whittle things down to fewer teams each round, but the playoffs also the ultimate stage, and the sports media-verse, fans, and plenty of other bettors will take baseless narratives and run with them, so we can use that to our advantage by being vigilant and staying grounded. Let's still have fun with this time of year, but to win, when deciding how to bet, prioritize the process over the result. And applying this to life as well as sports, there's so much randomness tied to almost everything we do, and the people who achieve the most success in the long term are often those who best separate the process from the outcome and know which of those two factors deserves more weight. 
All right, that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this show, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. Have a safe and happy Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. I'll be back next Friday to break down the conference championship round. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. (laughs) 